glorify the Lord. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So love ye the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of Standard Version of Psalms 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright in the congregation, that's us, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in him, full of splendor and majesty in his work, and righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered, and the Lord is gracious, gracious and merciful. So welcome to Bueller MB this morning. Why don't you guys take a couple minutes and greet those around you, and then Dustin will take us to announcements.
All right. Well, good morning again. Uh, you may have a seat. I am Pastor Dustin. I am one of the pastors here, and so we just want to say we're glad you're here and welcome. Thank you for joining us for the worship service, whether you're here in person or even if you're joining us online. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Um, as you can tell, Pastor Kurt is not here this morning, uh, but we will get to hear uh, the message from Pastor Alden Dick. Uh, some of you might know him, but if you don't, he's been in pastoral ministry for about 40-some years. So he's going to share the message. We're going to take a little break from the book of Acts, but uh, he's got the, the sermon for us uh, this morning. Um, also, just a little bit of a heads up. Uh, this is like the two-minute warning. We're going to do a little bit of the mission and the vision sharing. So if you have a little story or a little maybe God moment from the week that relates to our mission and vision, just a heads up to be thinking about that. We'll do sharing in just a couple minutes. But I have just a couple of announcements to give as we uh, go about this week. The first one is for Kids Camp. So Kids Camp is coming up this week. This is kind of the third and final camp of the summer, but Kids Camp is for grades uh, three through fifth, and uh, it's gonna be at Tabor College this week. And so uh, we have about 11 uh, kids, students, going with our, our church uh, this week, as well as one high school, that's go high school student that's going as a leader. But one of the things we've continued to do through camping season is make some prayer bracelets. So there are gonna be some prayer bracelets just right outside the sanctuary doors, kind of in the foyer of each student and each leader, of course, going to camp. So if you'd be willing to pray for them as they go to camp, that would be uh, much appreciated. Um, even this year, having a daughter going to kids camp, so thankful, uh, thankful for the church family and the prayers that you give uh, for students and for camp in general. So that's gonna be uh, there. Also for parents, uh, there was a letter mailed that had a little bit more information about kids camp. So you can be looking for that in the mail. Um, also, another announcement we have uh, coming up tonight, uh, this is for the college age kids. There is a small group uh, meeting at Brent and Cindy Wickert's house at 5.30. So if you're college age, you are invited to stop out at their house uh, this evening. I think they have some food or a meal and just to get together, fellowship, uh, all that good stuff, looking into God's word. So you're invited out to there. And also, the other announcement that I have uh, has to do with VBS. So I'm going to call somebody up that's going to share a little bit more. It looks like Lauren is coming up to uh, share a little bit about VBS. And they're going to give a little bit of an update because, believe it or not, we are about a month. We're about a month out. And so we're getting some things together. And one of the cool things that we get to do, I guess, with this VBS is it's actually a community VBS. And so the whole Bueller community uh, gets together and hosts the VBS together. I know I was talking about that with the pastors and partnership group, the local pastors that get together. And so they have a team that goes together, not only from our church, but from the other church. But they're going to give a little bit of an update and what's going on. Well, thank you, Pastor Dustin. Um, BBS is coming up. It is July 25th through 29th. Um, we are currently um, have the registration link up on the Facebook page. Right now we are doing a thing where if you both like and share that link, uh, we'll put you in a drawing to win a $10 mustard seed gift card. So please do that. And then go ahead and follow the page. It's uh, Bueller Community VBS and it's on Facebook. There will be uh, potentially more opportunities in the future. So um, follow us there for updates. Um, and then we also are collecting some donations this year for the missions portion of VBS. We are going to be assembling hygiene kits for the MCC uh, distribution. And so there is a list out in the lobby. There's a blue box and grab a list, take a picture of the list. Um, and yeah, please donate if you feel led. 
right. Thank you, Lauren. Good morning. Uh, yes, we are still in need of volunteers. Um, we have the sign-up sheet uh, for volunteers out on the information desk, and we also sign up on, on the link on the computer there. Um, that is for volunteers and then also for snacks. Please sign up for that. This is a great time for community and outreach and so forth, and we really, it is great, and we need to learn and do embrace it because we have some fabulous kids out there and they need us. Sorry. <laughs> we love you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're going to take a little bit of time if we have people that want to share with the mission and vision and i'm just going to read it so if there's something that sticks out to your last week that kind of applies to this our mission here at bueller mb what we are about is to glorify christ by loving god loving others and making disciples through the power of the holy spirit and our vision is to intentionally transform communities through christ so with that being said i'll walk down here to see if anybody has a a story A couple weeks ago, I had a training opportunity in Wichita, and uh, a, one of my colleagues lived here close to Bueller. She lives just outside of Bueller here to the west. And she said, hey, do you want to carpool to Wichita? So we did. So had an opportunity to talk with her a little bit about uh, church. They don't have a church home. Um, they've got two kids, I think six and three, I think, are their ages. And I talked to her about jam and what we did during the summer in jam or the school year during jam. And, uh, and she said, yeah, that might be something I might be interested in. So prayer requests for that family, um, that, uh, that they would be willing and uh, able to connect. Uh, also prayer for free to remember <laughs> when, when it comes up again to just talk to her and, and let her know about the timing and the schedule of that. So anyway, just an opportunity. I praise God that I did have that 60-minute that opportunity to talk with her as I traveled with her to Wichita. Uh, we have a praise for, I think it was two weeks ago, after church, uh, got to talk with Hattie a little bit about uh, following Jesus, accepting him into our heart, those things that we get to talk about all the time at JM, Sunday School, uh, VBS, and all those places. And so, uh, as a parent, that's our highest priority. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes I look at what I do as a parent, and maybe I don't <laughs> keep that in the forefront. I get distracted with so many other things. But what a joy it was to be able to spend time with Hattie, uh, and we got to talk at home because from the sanctuary to the car is not a place where we can stop and talk. So uh, we waited till we got home and, and were able to spend some time together talking about what that means, and what it means for the rest of her life and uh, for life eternal. And so we're so. Uh, happy for her. We're praising Jesus uh, for his goodness in our lives and uh, in his goodness in her life. So uh, I know that our church is a big part of that. And you, as a spiritual family, uh, have invested in, in our family. And so we're so thankful and just continue to pray for us. And we'll continue to pray for you as we uh, seek to uh, make disciples. And so it's God's work 
his Holy Spirit at work in us and in young hearts too. So uh, celebrate with us and uh, thank you. Sharon. Uh, we'll try to continue to keep up the sharing. It's always good to hear those stories of how, you know, God's at work and how the mission and vision are, are coming about. So uh, at this time, uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll continue on with the uh, worship service. So uh, let's pray. Uh, dear God, we just thank you for this morning and we just praise you for the couple stories that we just uh, heard and just that's amazing to see uh, what you're up to and how you're at work. And so we continue to lift up uh, those situations uh, in prayer. Uh, we're just also thankful for this morning that we can come, uh, gather here, and worship you. And so we can just pray that you can help us prepare our hearts uh, for what you have for us this morning. May be be attentive, and we look forward to what you have. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in worship, so if you'd like to, you can stand and join us. How great is our God. Sing with me.
awake before moved by the sound of his voice and seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard and through it
scripture continues, the works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people and he has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice this have a good understanding. His praise endures forever.
souls, as we come before you, we raise our hands in praise to you, our hearts in praise to you. We glorify your name. Redemption was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are so grateful because it wasn't just in part, but it was the whole. And God, what a wonderful promise that those of us who believe in you, who have accepted you in our hearts, like Hattie, that we have that promise. And God, we are so grateful. Now as Pastor Alden comes to share from your word, God, give him just joy in, in sharing what you've laid on his heart. And give us receptive hearts to hear and to learn. God, we just praise you this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I'd offered Alden to pray for him before the service and, uh, or before his message, and we're going to do that now. Uh, God, <laughs> it is so good to be here. And uh, uh, boy, before I pray for Alden, God, I just feel this morning that um, just a reminder that you are with us, that you yes, see us. God, for everybody here this morning, I pray right now that uh, there would be a, just a new sense, a new reminder that in, in the pain, um, in the hard things, and of course the good things, God, that you see each of us individually. Yes. God, right now, uh, I pray for Alden. You know the prep that you have walked him through this week, even in the midst of um, interruptions. We pray for Joan that uh, her knee can be healed faster than the current schedule, that somehow that opens up, um, and that that's not a distraction and a burden. Um, but God, right now, for what you've prepared Alden to speak, we know that you add to it, and that right now we are hearing your words, and so we pray that for Alden in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Mike. I would ask your indulgence a little bit this morning. Uh, I, my dad always told me I was built upside down in that my nose runs and my feet smell. <laughs> and this morning it's running, let me tell you. So I appreciate that. Contentment in the mess. Let's talk about the mess. We have to understand what that is before we can find solution to it. If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter 4, we will find that we have been warned about the mess. First Peter 4, verses 12 to 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. 
But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of his glory, that you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. May God, by his spirit, teach us this morning. I'll give you some things that he has taught me, but uh, I appreciated Mike's prayer this morning. And you will find out at the, probably at the end of this sermon, why that was so important. Incidentally, I would much rather be preaching from the book of Acts this morning. We don't have time to talk about all the dimensions of the mess that we are dealing with in this country. So I just want to point out three of them so that we have a background to talk about contentment in the middle of the mess. I I think it's very important to identify and understand the mess because you and I as the church, please hear this, have the answer to this mess. Nobody else does. This is a spiritual mess because Satan is in the middle of it. And it's a serious and dangerous situation we are in. We as the church, I think, have two choices. One, we can stand firm in the power of the Spirit representing Jesus Christ and his values. Or, two, we become part of the mess. Look up with me briefly at three evidences of this mess. The first one is disrespect of life. In our culture, abortion leads this category and after Friday's Supreme Court decision, it kind of changed my perspective a little bit this morning, but After their decision to reverse the Roe v. Wade-Casey decision from 1973, a couple of observations might be helpful to us. First, it did not make abortions illegal. It changed the law, but it did not change the hearts of the people. Only Jesus can do that. it did return that power to the states where we the people can have direct input to our legislature in determining the parameters of abortion in our state. Kansas is currently a pro-choice state where abortions can be had on demand, which was the language of Roe versus Wade. Therefore, sadly, People from other states where there are restrictions on abortion come to Kansas because they can get them here. Second, Alden is not being political this morning. Please know that. This issue is not about left or right. It's about right or wrong. The issue has been politicized terribly. I understand that. 
But the bottom line of this issue is that we are all created in the image of God. So abortion is not just a sin against humanity. It's a sin against the creator at the most intimate place of life. Third, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Kurt mentioned the value of them both issue that will be on our ballot in August, which would give back to the legislature the authority to establish a policy on abortion. My understanding is that the Kansas Supreme Court took that away from them, and this is a referendum to return it to the legislature where we the people can have some input. I know that politics can leave a sour taste in our mouth, which makes us not want to be involved in it. But brothers and sisters, you are politically involved whether you like it or not in this country, either by intention or by default. It is certainly a flawed system, I get that. But it is still the best one out there and we must be involved in helping to make it work for the benefit of the kingdom of God and a biblical worldview. So here's a practical statement to you. If you are not registered to vote, shame on you. It's a privilege that not every population has. Because if you don't vote, you can't be a part of helping. In the 2020 election cycle, only half of evangelicals in this country were registered to vote. We're talking about millions of people. And that was devastating on the local, the state, and the national level. And it was not good stewardship of God's goodness towards us. So here's the bottom line. God is the author of government. So since Jesus isn't running for office, do your due diligence, and if your choices aren't clear, vote for the lesser of two evils that would be the closest to a biblical worldview. Which means we have to do a little work at this thing. And I highly encourage that. Okay, enough soapbox. Oh, there's one more thing. A quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer who died at the hands of the Nazis three days before the Allies liberated the camp he was in. And he said this, and I quote, silence in the face of evil is evil itself, and God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, and not to act is to act. I want to share some numbers with you this morning uh, regarding abortion, and I understand that whenever you use numbers, there's margins on either side of it, plus or minus. But these are pretty close. Since Roe versus Wade in 1973, 49 years ago, 
63,714,021 babies have been killed in this country. That's a million 451,980 per year, or 3,978 per day. Let me make this a little more personal. The 2020 population for Bueller was 1,325. That would be like wiping out the population of Bueller three times a day. Another place of disrespect for life is the war in Ukraine. In four months, Russia, under the guidance of Putin, has already killed thousands of civilian men, women, and children, and physically wiped out whole cities. There are no homes to come back to. I can't really relate to that, but that's the truth. This is a country, the Ukraine, where many of us sitting here this morning have ancestral roots. To quote a famous army general, war is hell. Another area of disrespect for life is the whole thing of domestic violence. Many people in our country live in fear of their lives in their own homes. Because of angry people doing physical, emotional, and spiritual damage to each other. I know that personally. Because in the first church I was in in Kansas, I got a call late one night to a family that was a part of our church. But <clears throat> the husband was drunk, as too often was true. And he pulled a gun. And so I didn't know that. I walked up to the door, knocked on it, opened it, looked into the lo loaded end of a double-barrel shotgun with a drunk man at the other end of it. Um, that's rather sobering. But that's what's happening in our culture. When Jesus is absent, That's what happens. And this all seems like a big enough mess all of its own, and it is, but it's not all. Another category is the loss of truth. Now, COVID, for example. Let me wipe my nose on this one. The CDC has spoken with a fork typewriter for the last two years about this disease. At the beginning of a week, the CDC would say one thing, and by the end of the week, we might hear something quite different. It made it very hard for us as, as people in this country to, to know what do we do. 
But enter politics again, and even though the evidence was quite clear as to where this pandemic started, they would never admit to it. Enough about COVID, although there is much more. But let me ask you this. When is the last time that you feel like you heard clear truth coming from Washington, D.C.? I apologize for my cynicism, but I'm a little bit fed up. Everything is politicized and it's used to divide we the people. And both political parties are involved. Another place where truth has been lost is the national debt. The national debt is totally out of control and is, in fact, an unpayable debt. The feds keep printing money that has no backing, and therefore, it's worth less and less, and so we have runaway inflation that is a growing threat to our economy and well-being. To put this in very plain terms, I went to fill up my truck with gas and it was 90 plus bucks. That affects all of us to one degree or another. Think then of farmers and independent truckers who carry a lot of goods across this nation who are buying diesel for five to six dollars a gallon and more. And another place where there's a loss of truth is the LGBTQIAZP, whatever. And the gender identity crowd are seeking to normalize their values through legislation and now through public education. I can't believe some of the things I'm hearing about schools. It's very difficult. Having drag queen visit your five-year-olds in kindergarten. This too is a big enough mess on its own, but it's not all. There's one more that I want to just touch on this morning, and that's the mainstream media. I will quit with this one, but in my understanding, this is a huge part of the problem. I just have to say to you, be very careful what you believe from news outlets, because they too are very political anymore. To put it simply and briefly, they kind of specialize in half-truths and division of we the people who are not critical thinkers anymore, too often, and therefore play right into the hands of those who are trying to divide this great nation. So my message to the church is this. Please, please don't be lazy thinkers. Be informed and be willing to ask the hard questions. We need to be part of the solution and not part of the problem because the answer to this mess lies in large part to us, the church.
Only Jesus can clean up the hearts of people who in turn become the carriers of the solution who is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if we've ever needed that in our history, it's now. Our world is a bit scary right now, but we are not people of fear. Fear is a tool of Satan, and he knows how to, how to use that against us. And that's the heart of what I want to say to you today. As followers of Jesus, no matter the mess, we can know his contentment right now. So let's look at Philippians for a minute. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. This is the Apostle Paul speaking now. Writing to the Philippian church, which was the first Christian church established in Europe. And he said this, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Think about this. How do you adequately thank, say thanks for a gift that comes from people whom you know cannot afford it? That's Paul's position with the Philippian church right here. They weren't giving out of their excess. They were giving out of their grocery money. He says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. In other words, Paul knows through his relationship with the Philippians that they will bless him whenever circumstances permit it. He also knows that they have very little of the world's goods. And yet, they are generous. His statement of thanksgiving back to them is a nugget of godly wisdom, and we'll get to that shortly. But first, I want to challenge our thankful quotient, brothers and sisters, by sharing some anecdotes from other people. And these are real stories. It was Thanksgiving season in the nursing home. The small resident population was gathered about their humble Thanksgiving table and the director asked each in turn to express one thing for which they were thankful. Thanks were expressed for a home in which to stay, for family, etc. 
one little lady in her turn said, I thank the Lord for two perfectly good teeth, one in my upper jaw and one in my lower jaw that match so that I can chew my food. Alexander White, the Scottish preacher, always began his prayers with an expression of gratitude. And one cold, miserable day, his people wondered what he would say. He prayed. We thank thee, O Lord, that it's not always like this. A mother and her two little children were destitute, and in the depth of winter they were nearly frozen. And the mother took the cellar door off the hinges and set it up in front of the corner where they lay down to sleep together to keep warm so that some of the draft and cold might be kept from them. One of the children whispered to her, Mother, what do those poor children do who have no cellar door to put up in front of them? How much do we have to be thankful for? How much do we take for granted that which we do have? Or beyond that, how much pride is there in what we have? I ask that question just to help us with perspective. Paul's response to the Philippians' generosity comes in the form of godly wisdom. And speaking of perspective, remember that Paul is sitting in a Roman jail at this very moment, totally at the mercy of an empire that has no mercy for Christians who will not acknowledge Caesar as Lord. But that does not change Paul's perspective. He refuses to be a victim of circumstances. Here's a word for our culture. He does not see himself as being entitled to anything. And therefore, he is grateful for whatever he does have. As I pondered this, I thought to myself, how, how would the modern Christian church be described? And that resulted in some soul-searching for me, and I think that as a church body together, we need to be thinking in those ways too. Back to Paul's response of godly wisdom in verses 11 and 12 of Philippians 4. The key phrase here is, I have learned to be content. Unfortunately, the English translation of the Greek word here does not carry the weight of the meaning. And Paul here uses a word familiar to the people he's speaking to, but not to our ears. It's the Greek word autarkos. It's a familiar word in pagan ethics, valued by the Stoics, which means entirely self-sufficient. Hang on. Some of you may be thinking, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Stay with me because Paul says there's a better way. The Stoics were a sect of Greek philosophers in Athens, Greece, who have been called the Pharisees of Greek paganism. 
Their founder was a man named Zeno who flourished about 300 BC and they lasted about 830 years. The primary tenet of this philosophy was that a man's happiness consisted in bringing himself into harmony with the course of the universe. They were trained to endure evils and pleasures with indifference. And therefore, to be independent of all external influences. It was isolating. Pantheism, which is many gods, fatalism and pride were the leading features of this philosophy, as well as being amoral, which means that the devotees were not subject to moral law. They also tended to be ascetic, living apart from people who were different from them. In modern usage, stoic commonly refers to someone indifferent to pain, indifferent to pleasure, indifferent to grief, and indifferent to joy. Now that's living. When the Stoics used the word autarkus, they meant a state of mind in which a man was absolutely and entirely independent of all things and of all people, and a state in which a man had taught himself to need nothing and no one, especially God. In summary, love was rooted out of life and caring was basically forbidden. T.R. Glover said of the Stoics, the Stoic made of the heart a desert place and called it peace. I have said all of that to say this. We see the difference between the Stoics and Paul. Simply stated, the Stoics said, I will learn contentment by a deliberate act of my will. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For the Stoic, contentment was a human achievement. For Paul, it was a divine gift to him. The Stoic was self-sufficient, but Paul was God-sufficient. That's why Paul could face anything, whether he had nothing or whether he had everything. And he'd been on both ends of that spectrum. But for him, it made no difference because in every situation, he had Jesus Christ. So I ask you, do you see yourself as self-sufficient or God-sufficient? Do we see Bueller MB as self-sufficient or God-sufficient? In concluding this morning, there's a couple things I want to share with you. Number one, self-sufficiency is not a way to righteousness. It is, in fact, a danger to your relationship with Christ and to his body, the church. If we are not sold out to Jesus Christ as our all in all, we will never know the fullness of his grace in our lives and in our church family. We've got to lay it down, folks. 
we've got to lay it down. Secondly, finally, now I have to tell you that in Philippians, in the third chapter, Paul starts out with the word finally and writes the other half of the book. I'm not going to do that. Remember that contentment is knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that in Christ there is sufficiency regardless of our circumstances. Look at what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6-8. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. You see, Paul's perspective is always based on the long view. He knows he is not home yet. This world is not our home. Let the church say amen. amen. Hallelujah. How is it with us, brothers and sisters? Have we become so adjusted to the comforts of this world that we have lost our perspective? Are we concerned about how our heirs will deal with whatever we leave them? Which, incidentally, is everything. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Are we concerned about what will happen to Bueller MB Church when we are no longer here to try and control the direction of it? I want to tell you something. The leaders are not going to run out to your tombstone and say, what do you think? Or are we more concerned about whether our heirs have a personal, growing relationship with Jesus Christ? And I celebrate that candle. Let's keep it burning. Because that's the real treasure. And are we praying now for the witness of this church in the present as well as in the future so that it will make a significant difference in our community and the world? As we looked at our mission statement this morning, Contentment is knowing that our God is all-sufficient and He can be trusted with our lives and He can be trusted with our church, just like the church at Philippi was. To God be the glory. Sing with me. When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is our hope. And Lord haste the day 
when my face shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and my Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. Just a couple of reminders. Uh, one, there are some prayer cards and uh, kind of information cards in the front. If you want to p uh, fill those out and maybe put them back in the offering bucket, you can do that. And we'll make sure we pray for you. Also, the offering buckets are in the back. So if you feel led to give, you can drop it off there. Um, groups will start at 11. So you're welcome if you don't have one to join one. And I'm going to close in prayer. So let's, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for this opportunity uh, just to come here and worship you. We pray that um, we can find true contentment in you. And so we just pray that uh, we know that and we do that. And we just show the love of Jesus to all that we meet. And we just pray this in your name. Amen.